You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. As always, we're so glad that you you are with us today. Uh, we continue in the book of James uh, today in our Faith in Action series, and we're covering James four, the whole chapter. And I've uh, talked throughout this series how how direct James is, and and uh, almost comes across in a, an angry tone at times. Well, in chapter four, I think James kind of turns his stern mode up uh, in a few a few notches. He's kind of laying into him a little bit, and, and he basically kind of gives him a good old butt chewing. I think. Uh, have you ever had one of those? I, I know I've had several in, in my life. I, I remember playing JV, JV baseball, and uh, our team really wasn't very good at the time, and we didn't win very many games. And our, our coach was uh, named Coach Ibach, uh, Drew Ibach, and is built like a linebacker, had a flat top haircut, and Coach Ibach was not happy with us for most of the season. He was always upset about something. And uh, one time after the game, he was chewing us out like he often did. And and uh, besides saying a lot of words that I can't repeat, and uh, he would never be able to get away with this now, what he said, but he said, uh, have you guys ever considered mass suicide? And uh, I... I almost started laughing, actually, when he said that because it was so crazy to hear, but uh, that wouldn't have been good either. Uh, but he was not happy with us. So, you know, I guess it was either laugh or cry. And uh, um, that was a good old butt chew in there. But I think James is not super happy about some of the things happening in the church at the time and among Christians. I, I don't think it's to, the, to that level that, that they, he was chewing them out. But the things that James is talking about, uh, they still apply to us today, and there are things that, that we all need to hear at times. And so we're talking about spiritual battles today. Uh, you know, there have been physical wars going on pretty much since the beginning of mankind. And some wars started over some pretty crazy things. Um, let me share a few examples. There, there was the War of the Oaken Bucket. It was in Italy from 1325 through uh, 37. And this war started over a stolen bucket. Uh, this group of soldiers from the city of Modena in northern Italy invaded nearby Bologna to steal a brown oak bucket. Uh, Bologna became angry, went to war with Modena to take back their bucket and restore their pride. And so the two cities fought for 12 years and, and thousands of lives were lost. Uh, Modena won the war and Bologna never got their bucket back. Uh, that's one important bucket. So a crazy war. Or how about the War of the Stray Dog? This was Greece versus Bulgaria in 1925. Uh, when the dog of a Greek soldier wandered across the border into Macedonia, the soldier ran after it and was, it was shot by a Bulgarian guard. And uh, the, the Greek troops became so angry that they invaded Bulgaria. More than 50 men were killed before the League of Nations intervened and stopped the war all over a dog. Or, or there's the soccer war, uh, El Salvador versus Honduras in July 14 through 30 in 1969. And tensions from a soccer match between the national teams of El Salvador and Honduras, aggravated by the economic inequality between the two countries, it escalated into fighting. Salvadoran immigrants were then expelled from Honduras 
and the countries went to war. And some 2,000 people were killed in 16 days before the war was stopped. So crazy stuff. Uh, there are all kinds of crazy wars or, or conflicts throughout history that you can look back at. In James chapter 4, he's not talking about physical wars. Uh, he's talking about the battles that are at war within us and, and these battles that we deal with in our lives. That maybe that they might seem like pretty silly things at times or not that big a deal, but, but they are real battles, big battles, just as real as any example of physical war. And, and so James sets up the whole chapter with the first two verses. Let's read those. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You see, so many of our issues come from the desires that battle within us. And so then James, he goes on to describe these battles in more detail. And so I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of the chapter, a pretty short chapter, and then, then we'll break it down. It says this, You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he, he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you have to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So the truth is that we are at war. And it says that we battle because of the stuff that's going on inside of us. It's a spiritual battle, a spiritual war. And so as we break down the spiritual battle, I think there's two main things that we battle against. And so the question is this, who do we battle? And so we battle against ourselves and we battle against God. Okay, so first of all, we battle against ourselves. Um, why do we do this? Why do we battle against ourselves? I think the root of the problem, uh, James says this, plain and simple, selfishness. Selfishness. And, and so our sinful nature could just as easily be described as our selfish nature. Okay, because sin is basically our, our selfishness showing through. It says, what causes fights? It's the desires that battle within you. Okay, I couldn't help but think of a story in the Old Testament involving Moses, Aaron, and Miriam in Numbers chapter 12. And this took place when the Israelites were out wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And Aaron was the brother of Moses, 
and uh, Miriam was Aaron's wife. And Aaron and Miriam, they, they started complaining. Uh, first of all, because they didn't agree with who Moses took for a wife. Uh, but it turns out that that really wasn't the main issue. Uh, the real issue is that they were jealous of Moses. They were jealous of his relationship that he had with, with God. And, and uh, they, they didn't like that God spoke only through Moses. And they thought, hey, why can't God speak through us too? And they didn't like all the attention that Moses got. And so they, they wanted him to, to, to be a part of that. They wanted it to be about them also. And so they wanted some credit and glory. And so it was all selfishness at its core. And God was not happy with them. Uh, in fact, he's, he was burning mad. And, and in fact, Miriam broke out in leprosy and, and Moses had to intercede on her behalf and, and God relented and she had to stay outside of the camp for a week. But their, their problem was selfishness. And, and I think we do that too. You know, we look at different things and, and we complain about different things, but at, at the core of the matter, it, it's really about selfishness and, and jealousy, and, and selfishness can cause so many issues. So uh, selfishness leads to several things, but first of all, it leads to, to wrong actions. Okay, verse 2 in the, the New Century Version says this, You want things, but you do not have them. So you're ready to kill and are jealous of other people, but you still cannot get what you want, so you argue and fight. So we, we get so mad at people that it's almost like we could kill them. And maybe this is an extreme. It's like, you know, when you're angry, it's like, man, I could just, oh, I could kill them. I think that's what it's talking about. Or we're so jealous that, you know, we say things about people or, uh, and we shouldn't say them. And we argue and, and we fight about dumb things. And so our selfishness on, on the inside causes these negative outward actions. And, and our selfishness can even cause wrong prayers. Uh, it's the next thing he says. You know, what's a, a wrong prayer? It, it's, a, it's praying selfishly or, or with the wrong motives. Part of verse 3 again says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Okay, when, when we pray selfishly, it says, you know, God doesn't even hear those prayers. And so I think we need to look at our prayer lives, and, and if it's mostly about us and what we want and what we think we need, we probably need to adjust the way we pray. Okay, we need to pray with the right motives. I, I remember going back to junior high, and I, I used to pray before I, I, a game, and I, I would pray um, that we would beat the other team and that God would help us win that game, and and uh, one day it kind of hit me, hey, what, what if the other team is praying that same thing? And I, I gradually started to realize that God probably didn't care that much about who won those games. You know, it's really not that important. But even now as an adult, I think it's easy to slip into a mode of, of praying selfishly. You know, praying about things that really aren't that, that important in the big picture. And so we, we tend to battle against ourselves. And then the second area of our battle is that we tend to battle against God. Okay, not a good idea ever to battle against God. The, the root of the war within us, I think, is rebellion against God. We, we, we have all turned from God and we've all separated for ourselves from God. So why do we do that? You know, what causes us? To battle against God. I want to look at some things. James gives us several examples here. First of all, he says friendship with the world is a big issue. The, the New Century Version describes it as loving the world. 
And, and it's a serious thing. Okay, James compares it to committing adultery. And, and he says, you know, being a friend of the world uh, actually shows hatred toward God. Committing adultery, hating God, that's, that's big stuff, right? We need to be really careful if God starts to slip down on our priority list. Okay, he needs to be a clear number one. And this is where James, is, I think, really is kind of ripping into him a little bit because God was, was not a clear number one for most of them. And so we need to be careful about how attached we are to the things of the world. Another example that James gives that causes us to battle against God is pride. Oh, man, this is a hard one. In verse 6, James gives a, a quote as actually originally uh, taken from the book of Proverbs. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And it seems like so many things in life can come down to an issue of pride. Uh, a good friend of mine in, in ministry, his name's Dean Troon, he, he came up with a list of warning signs of pride. And I want to go through this list, and, and uh, maybe some of these will kind of hit home with you. Maybe some things to think about you hadn't thought about before. But, but warning signs of pride, such as, I don't like giving credit to others, including God. I compare my strengths to others' weaknesses. I feel like I am sacrificing more for the kingdom than others. I don't like being told what to do and often resist authority. I feel special or superior to others. I refuse to give God absolute control of my life. I don't need accountability. That's a dangerous one, I'm, I'm just going to say. I tend to be critical of others. I want others to be impressed with me. I don't like listening to others. I like to talk about myself or, or what I am involved with. I interrupt people regularly. I resent people who try to correct me. I think that I am pretty humble already. Man, it's a tough list. And maybe some of these things that you didn't think about before is pride. But I would just encourage you to think about this list. Um, consider it, pray about it, because pride will cause us to battle against God every time. James also mentions slander. Okay, verse 11 says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Okay, and slander can, can either to mean to speak critically of another person, or in a judicial setting it means to accuse falsely. And so I think both of these can creep into our lives. Both of these can creep into the church. And, and uh, both the Old Testament and New Testament repeatedly talk, repeatedly talk about slander. And so God knows it can be a major issue, and it's something that's never okay. So our goal should be to, to stop slander and not encourage it. You know, don't chime in when you see this happening. You know, don't contribute to dragging others down. Seek to build others up. So slander causes us to battle against God. And, and then there's a hard one that, that can cause us, I think, to battle God, and that is this, not doing the things we know we should do. 
Okay, the, the very last verse of the chapter says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Okay, so this may be the hardest kind of sin to deal with because it is a, a sin of not doing something. It's a sin of omission. Uh, did you know you could sin by not doing something? Okay, have you ever not done something that, that you, you know you should have done? Okay, James says it's sin. Uh, last week, I was... Uh, Holly and I were on the road with Stephen and Ann Cantrell, and we came across an accident. And uh, we were the first ones there. The car was turned upside down, and I, I got out of the car and ran over to it. There's still um, smoke coming from the car. Didn't know what I was going to find. And, and there was a, a mom and her five-year-old son uh, in there just beating on the window uh, trying to get out. And so I was able to, to open up the door and, and uh, help them climb out and... Uh, we were able to get them out and lay them on the ground, and, and uh, there were some injuries. I, w I don't think they ended up being major, major injuries. I think the mom probably broke her arm. Um, and it was in, then Holly and Ann helped them uh, while we waited for the ambulance and the first responders, and, and uh, thankfully they're going to be okay. Um, and so that, that's an obvious situation where if we wouldn't have helped them, that would have been sinned. Uh, that would have been sin. Um, you know, there was no doubt we, we were to, that was the right thing to do. But I think there are a lot more less obvious situations where we feel the Holy Spirit kind of tugging on our hearts and, and we, we don't do anything. And, you know, I think those are the times we need to, to listen and say, okay, what does God want me to do? Um, you know, because usually we, like I said, we think of doing, sin as doing something wrong, and then we go to God and ask Him to forgive us. This is more the idea of, of not doing something that you know you should do. And so if God puts something in our hearts, uh, we need to do it, okay? It's not, not just a suggestion like, oh, maybe if you feel like it. This is God wanting to use you for something, whatever it might be. And then here's another thing that causes us to battle God, it's judging others. Judging others. We, we need to remember that God is the only judge. And, and it's not our job. And boy, this is hard sometimes. Our job is to love like Jesus loved. The, the second part of verse 11 says, Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. Okay, It's kind of like you're putting yourself above God's system. You're saying, okay, God, I think you need a little help here. So why do we do this? Why do we struggle with judging others? I think author Kurt Thompson hits on a big part of this problem. And it's maybe something you haven't thought of in this way before. But he said this, it's, It is important to be aware that the act of judging others has its origins in our own self-judgment. As I often tell patients, shamed people shame people. Long before we are criticizing others, the source of that criticism has been planted, fertilized, and grown in our lives, directed at ourselves, and often in ways we are mostly unaware of. Suffice it to say that our, our self-judgment, that tendency to tell ourselves that we are not enough, not thin enough, not smart enough, not funny enough, not enough, is the nidus out of which grows our judgment of others not least being our judgment of God. The problem is that we have constructed a sophisticated lattice of blindness around this behavior, which disallows or our awareness of it. Okay, I think he hits on a really good point here. Sometimes I think our battle with judging ourselves 
impacts the way we judge others. So you don't have to do that. You don't have to to hate yourself. You don't have to judge yourself. God doesn't hate you. God loves you, flaws and all. And so maybe if we can stop judging ourselves, it will help us to stop judging others. Okay, so how do we win this spiritual war? Okay, is it possible or, or do we just throw up our hands? Well, I think we need to realize who the true war is really against. Okay, the, the true war is against Satan. Okay, it's not against God. It's not against ourselves. God is on our side. And so keep in mind that ultimately God already won the battle through Jesus' victory on the cross. And Jesus will come back one day to, to bring his people home for all eternity. That's already decided. In the meantime, Satan's going to do whatever he can to harm us. And so here's the plan. It's a great plan. It's an encouraging plan. Verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, so first thing, submit to God. Okay, James talks about submission multiple times in this book because I, he knows this is hard for most of us. Uh, parents, you know, you often talk about the strong-willed child. Uh, many of you probably have a, a child that you would call strong-willed. Um, many of you probably were a strong-willed child. But I think most of us could be called strong-willed adults as well. We like to do things our way. We, we get set in our ways. We think our way is the best way and maybe the only way, maybe better than God's way. But, but guys, we need to remember that God's way is the best way every time. Okay, And we need to, to do our best to submit to God's best way. Probably it's not the easiest way, but it's the best way. Okay, Jesus himself struggled with this on the, on the night he was arrested and he was praying. And, and in Matthew 26, 39, it says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Okay, you know, Jesus knew how difficult it was going to be to go through what he, he was about to go through. You know, more difficult than, than anything we can ever imagine. But he submitted his will to his Father. And so to, to win the battle, we first of all need to submit to God. And then James says to resist the devil. Okay, Satan is the enemy. And we need to, to, to resist the enemy. Here's the problem. On our own power, we can resist about anything for a while. Okay, but on our own power, we begin to get tired. And that's when we start to fail. And that's why we need God to help us. Okay, God wants to help us resist the devil. He doesn't say do this on your own. There's a passage in Isaiah. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's a, it's a great reminder about what God can do for us. It's Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. And it says, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will no, not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isn't that great? Love it. 
You see, everyone gets tired and and everyone gets weary, but God will give us the strength that we need to to resist the devil. Even our tired and our weary times, he'll give us strength. And and the end result is that Satan is sent scurrying. And and we need to just say, hey, see you. Wouldn't want to be you, Satan. Okay, just run along now. You don't belong here. Get on. Get. And that, my friends, is a promise from God's word that, that you can stand on. You, you can claim that as your own. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's good news, right? And then James says this, come near to God. Come near to God and he will come near to you. See, God is waiting for us. He's not going to force himself on us, but, but God's like that faithful friend that, that you can always count on. And, and when we reach out to him, he's going to come to us. Jesus said in, in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Let's not keep him waiting outside. He, he wants to come near to us. But then James says, come clean. Okay, I think here's the the stern tone again from James. In verse 8 and 9, he says, Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Okay, it's not a laughing matter. We need to get right with God. If there are things that we're holding on to, we need to get clean. It's a serious thing. You know, if you're dirty, you need to take a shower. You know, most kids don't just volunteer to take baths or showers. Um, seems like most kids would be content to just go around dirty all the time. I'm fine. And, and some kids, you even have to remind them when they're in the shower that, hey, you need to, to use soap and, and shampoo. And, and there's some that you might have to remind them, hey, remember to turn on the water when you get in the shower. Sometimes as Christians, it, it seems like we're content just to go around dirty all the time, just not willing to clean up the junk in our lives. We just kind of carry it with us. Jesus says, or James says, guys, this is not a laughing matter. It's time to get rid of the junk in your lives. You see, God and sin, they don't mix. And if we want to get close to God, we need to get rid of the sin. And then one more thing James mentions, and and it isn't the, the first time he's mentioned it, to win this battle, humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before God. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Okay, when we humble ourselves before God, when we do this, it says God, he lifts us up. And so we need to ask, are we willing to completely do this, to completely humble ourselves before God? And this, this may be the, the heart of the matter. Okay, will we lower ourselves and lift God up, just like John the Baptist said to his disciples about Jesus. He said, he must become greater, I must become less. You know, back in that that story about Moses and Aaron and and Miriam, it said something that says a a lot about Moses, and it it really stands out to me. In Numbers 12, 3, it says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. I think that says a ton about why God chose Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. He knew what kind of man it would take. And, and, and God knew how, how 
these, his people would grumble and complain. And In fact, I think Moses was reluctant to be the one to lead the people out of Israel because of his humble heart. And so God loved that about Moses. He loved that humble heart. And I think if we're going to win this spiritual battle, we need to humble our hearts before God. So as we consider this passage, it's a hard passage. James hits hard. He really does. Our series is called Faith in Action. And this is about having an active faith. And part of having an active faith is is dealing with hard stuff. You know, God expects us to to follow him 100% with our lives. But you know what? Just like a good teacher or a good coach or a good parent, he is there to pick us up when we fail. Okay, he doesn't give up on us. He doesn't throw us out. He just loves us through our failures. And and I think that love should be a a motivating factor to help us to get back up and and continue learning and continue growing and continue following him with, with everything we have. So I want to close with what I think are the key verses of this chapter. Once again, James 4, 7, and 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So take a hike, Satan. Let's pray. Father, we think about the, the, the spiritual battle that's going on in our lives. And, and those things that are they're often under the surface that we don't think about. And, and uh, things that we struggle with. Things like pride. And Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll help each of us to, to have that desire to keep growing in these areas. Um, and we're so thankful that you uh, are patient with us through that. And that you give us the, the strength we need. And that you pick us up when we've uh, failed you. So we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the example that he is to us. Thank you for your love for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.